Hi, welcome back to the podcast. Uh, we have Andy Evenson today with us. Hi, Andy. Hey, Gabor. How you doing? Yeah, good. All the way from Minnesota. Good. Andy's uh, in his uh, studio. Minnesota. Yeah, Minnesota. <laughs> yeah. Going into fall soon. We're recording this in the sort of late yeah. summer, I guess. And, I can't uh, wait. Yeah. yeah, already starting to cool off a little bit. I love it. Yeah, yeah. I bet, uh, especially as a watercolorist, the humidity in the Midwest mm. is so brutal that it's a tough... Oof. Tough time. Um, I remember going yeah, to art school. Yeah, people don't realize that. Yeah, <laughs> going to art school, the teacher, Irving Shapiro, was like, he can finish some of the demos sometimes, literally. Like, he just, yeah. he's just using hair dryer, everything, because it was so humid. So humid. It is. It's crazy. We get the heat, and but it's just magnified with that humidity. It's uncomfortable to, to be out yeah. in it. And yeah, as a watercolor artist, it can be a little frustrating. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So today's topic is going to be about foregrounds. Um, Andy teaches an on, online uh, course for us, and, and that's one of the uh, questions that, or not issues or questions that come up in, in, in the course itself, and obviously in his physical workshops too. But Andy, if you can talk about foregrounds, uh, its challenges, and, and some, some tips you can give, uh, give the students about, about, them, about it. Yeah, sure. So that topic does come up quite a bit in, in students' work. You know, how do, what do I put into the foreground? How much information do I put into the foreground? And there's no, you know, generic right, wrong answer. Sometimes the foreground is the reason for the painting. You know, if you have a really high horizon line and the foreground is interesting, you need to put some more um, effort into it. But in general, uh, you know, most of the time you've got to be a little bit careful about how much information you put in to that foreground area. You don't want it to become kind of a visual barrier into the rest of the painting um, and getting mm -hmm. too detailed in there. Um, so I try to, when I'm doing these value studies and things in particular, I try and make sure that the students are kind of working on the contrast and the detail um, more in the areas of where they, they're trying to lead the eye um, to go in the painting and not necessarily just because it's a, a, a closer object. So um, it's a it's a tricky balance to find. Like I said, you don't want to leave it too empty. Um, and that's another thing that comes up when they're doing the value studies, when you're just doing these things in black and white and kind of plotting your, your painting. It's amazing how often, you know, because typically the sky and the value study is just left white paper because it's a light wash and all the information is just kind of right across the middle of the painting. Mm -hmm. And I tell the students when you're, when it's staring you in the face like that in black and white, you start to um, realize and become a better composer of the painting. Um, and as far as even just making some things up or adding some, some uh, aspects to the landscape, like a little fence line or a path or shadows that are coming in from something, mm -hmm. you know, that uh, un unseen out of the, out of the painting and um, so you can experiment a little bit and just paint some simple shapes on that uh, on that value study and practice you know painting good convincing shapes that aren't too um, you know too eye-catching so they're gonna block the viewer's path into the painting like I said mm -hmm. and that's where sometimes the timing of the of the washes come in uh, also with when you're when you're doing these foregrounds right it's do you like to layer it a little bit or how much how um, how much of it is just in one step process or do you allow it to, to dry and go over uh, when you're doing foregrounds? I actually like to put some of that information in um, wet into wet so it does fuzz a little bit. Mm -hmm. um, 
so that's not too defined, then you can always come back in, you know, obviously after things have dried and, and mm-hmm. sharpen up some edges and things too. But um, yeah, if it's a little bit out of focus, um, some of those shapes there again, kind of painting as if you, the way that our eyes see and not the way a camera sees mm-hmm. um, that whole kind of idea of peripheral vision or something, you know, so if the, when you're looking out beyond the foreground, um, again, that's it's tricky because it's right what's right in front of you. So you have to kind of find that balance of uh, how much information to put in. But um, yeah, if some of those shapes are kind of dropped in a little bit wet into wet, a little bit more vague, um, you know, that does help also. So I'll start putting in some of my darker shapes while that foreground area is still wet usually. Yeah. One of the, and if you, if somebody's listening right now and they paint oils too, um, oils, obviously you can play with texture, but watercolor, you really mm-hmm. can. So you got to use your, you're playing more with values, right? Is that kind of, I mean, that's your. Yep. Um, exactly. Um, yeah. Or it's kind of implied texture. Yeah. You know, you can get some texture yeah. with uh, dry, dry brushing and mm-hmm. things like that. You're using the, implied, the little yeah. bumps on the watercolor paper. So that mm-hmm. implied texture, mm-hmm. the illusion of it, but it's, yeah, you're right. It's not actual texture with the, the thickness of the paint, obviously. Yeah. So that's why you imply value. I mean, or I should say this value is such a big part of your uh, foundational teaching, right? It's, yeah, uh, it's just so yeah. important because it's, it's not just the color. You know, you have to think, like I said, those those contrasting values of where where you're going to lead the viewer's eye, where you want them to go. And so I do tell them typically, you know, when you're putting those darks in, try and stick in general to middle ground foreground for your darks and let those um, distant areas kind of fall off and just be mostly middle value and, and light. So you're using value um, to help mm-hmm. give the illusion of distance, you know, as things fade away further and keeping that contrast a little bit up close. Yeah. Mm-hmm. How much artistic freedom do you uh, do on these foregrounds? Uh, is this ver- like, quite, yeah, quite a bit. Um, okay. I have these like Chinese um, calligraphy brushes mm-hmm. and, um, you know, all that, so they don't really, they're not really made for a good watercolor painting. They don't mm-hmm. hold a, a good shape or a good point, but they're great for some of those, um, you know, the, just kind of those artistic quick marks, you know, and I stand mm-hmm. up when I paint and I'm using my whole arm and I'll hold that brush way back at the end. So I'm not controlling those marks too much. That's, mm-hmm. It's important, you know, when you're a landscape painter, those grasses and, you know, even shadows or things on the ground, they're a lot more random than, um, your, your hand and your brain allow you to do a lot of times. So it's important to just try and relinquish control a little bit. And, you know, again, and maybe use a brush like that and just kind of use your whole arm and, and mm-hmm. paint quickly and rapidly and confidently and just let it happen and just to suggest those those random shapes that are right in front of you. Yeah, yeah, it's so important. Um, so you have to have your uh, value plan planned out. That's kind of a big part of this before you get into that foreground, right? I mean, yeah. Yep, it really mm-hmm. does. And and like I said, there's a lot of times where you, you might not notice it because you're seeing, you know, a lot more shapes. And if you're plein air painting or, if, or from reference photograph, so you're seeing these colors and shapes, you know, even if they're smaller shapes in front of you, when you're doing these value studies and you're oversimplifying things and just painting the, the large um, 
you know, shapes, middle value shapes and the larger dark shapes, th those shapes that, that you see when you squint typically. Um, it's amazing how often, you know, like I mentioned earlier here, um, that the sky is empty and the foreground is empty. And that's when you start taking some liberties and, and you know, having having some artistic freedom to just make up some stuff in that foreground and play around with it on the value study and see what works, you know, and it can be something as simple as footprints and snow or, or a cast shadow, you know, you don't have to make up, um, you know, anything too elaborate, but just something of value to help lead the viewer's eye in a little bit um, and make sure that all that, uh, all the important shapes aren't residing, you know, right in the middle of you across the page. Yeah. It's funny. I'm looking at a, a, a painting right now in the studio as we're talking. It's the, <laughs> the painting that you gave us and you did a, a painting of Kai at the full moon. I don't oh, know if you remember yeah. that. And uh, yeah. it's mostly foreground. Uh, it was a full moon. And uh, uh, and he put our dog, we have a German shepherd, and he's in the lower half. And But it's mo mostly foreground uh, stuff, and, and you handle it so well. The desert has a, you know, it's very subtle. And, and, and again, but it's as I'm looking at this painting on the wall, it's definitely about a value pattern that, that you, uh, uh, that's what that's at least that's what I'm seeing right now. You you definitely yeah. had your value pattern down, and you stuck with that, and you left it alone. You did not go back and, yeah. and fuss with it. Yeah, all those dusty, scrubby yeah. desert grasses, you know, yeah. Like yeah. in the foreground, uh, just indicating them. And there again, I, I'm pretty sure I used that Chinese calligraphy brush to to knock some of those things mm -hmm. in so that they looked a little bit more natural and random. Oh, um, but yeah, no, a nocturne like that, even, I mean, I know it was a full moon. Yeah. Um, I'm trying to remember how it wasn't very bright and you no. can kind of just make out Kai's form. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yep. the German shepherd. Yeah. yeah. But no. um, so, so that helps a lot too, because the, you know, obviously the night helps to mystify things and you're mm -hmm. losing detail already yeah. um, versus broad daylight trying to paint all that stuff in the foreground. So, yeah. Yeah. But uh, yeah, no, it's uh, but, but you did, uh, when Andy was out here, uh, we're, uh, and the paintings I saw when we, he went back home, I mean, you did, you really, even Matt Smith, Matt was like, whoa, it's, <laughs> Andy handled that really well. Cause that, that, the desert is, a, <laughs> um, uh, it's such a subtle, as you said, a lot of dry stuff. It's not, you can't really hang on to any, like, it's not like a pine tree or an oak tree. Right. It's the saguaros yep, are the only one of the few, yeah. <laughs> things <laughs> yeah you get a swirl sticking up but other than that there's yeah. not a whole lot to hold you on handle to, like it. You said. yeah you handle it so well and i think in I a way watercolor can i mean obviously in the right hands but it uh it kind of can lend itself to some beautiful work in the desert in the sonoran desert because of that um, um there's no detail in there so yeah, yeah I like it. There okay. again, just kind of dropping some of those shapes in wet into wet a little bit. And and we had some fantastic skies when yeah. I was out there too. I remember that. It was My good. Gosh, so. Yeah, it was, it was, yeah. It was good. <laughs> wow. Yeah. No, that's awesome. So thank, thank you, Andy. This is uh, just great stuff. Yeah. Um, thank you for sharing your, your knowledge again uh, with, with us today. My pleasure. Thanks for having me. So if you guys liked, uh, like to learn more um with Andy or, or want to learn more about Andy, we have a online course that he teaches with us. It's a full year, 365 days of online mentoring. It's not a, it's not a workshop. It's, we call it an online mentoring, sort of like a, it's pretty much a course. And you're with Andy for a full year inside your private uh, group, Facebook group, and that's where all the action happens. You paint, you upload images, and, and Andy um, helps you kind of guide you along the way. And, and, and that full year, it takes that long to kind of get 
the hang of things. Uh, physical workshops yeah. are great. As you know, Andy, you teach a lot physical uh, workshops, yeah. but Andy's been teaching this uh, this uh, course for us for, is it two years now? Uh, at the time of yep, recording it. This, uh, this July, yeah. this July marked the two years. Two years. Yeah. But you're right, those yeah. workshops after four days, they're just starting to, you know, the light bulb goes off a little bit after four days. And uh, But yeah, here you can just kind of keep getting everything reinforced and a lot of practice and feedback, so. Yeah, and so that's that's the strength of the online online course. So we have three enrollments a year, uh, one in March, uh, July, and in uh, in November. Uh, specific dates are usually always listed on the site. So check check that out at TucsonArtAcademyOnline.com. And we also have a digital download series from Andy. So if you just want to watch him paint, these are start-to-finish demonstrations. We also have that on our website. So thank you so much, everyone, and we will see you next time. Bye.